Praise be Jesus Christ, now and forever. Thank you for taking some time to, to, to watch these uh, reflections on the Eucharist. We are, uh, by the beckoning of our bishops, called to Eucharistic revival. Um, we look at Jesus here with us um, on the altar. Uh, Lord, we love you, we adore you, we praise you. Oh, come let us adore him. He is Jesus the King. And so, Lord, we ask you to send your spirit as we reflect today on a little bit on some evidence from Eucharistic miracles of your real presence. So come, Holy Spirit, come, come, come. Open our minds and hearts. So Mary, Mother of the Eucharist, pray for us. My brothers and sisters, I have been reflecting with you on the real presence of Jesus in the Eucharist. I've done numerous videos before this video. If you've missed those, go back and watch them. I talked about Jesus the Lamb. I talked about the Passover lamb of the Old Testament and how it's fulfilled in Jesus, the New Testament lamb. Revelation chapter 5 is all about, you know, this vision John had in Revelation. It sounds a lot like the Catholic Mass. Um, if you want to check out uh, uh, Scott Hahn's book, um, The Lamb's Supper, it's written a while back, but it's really beautiful, reflective of all of the, the Revelation, uh, the book of Revelation and how it's so much the Mass, the Eucharist that we celebrate as Catholics. Um, and we talked about the early church fathers and what they actually taught. Um, and it was really beautiful. We, we spoke last video about evidence from history, um, even throughout history. Even the, even the Orthodox and those who broke away from Rome in the 5th century still believed in the real presence. Um, and that's up to the 11th century, the Orthodox. And even today, the Orthodox have a valid Eucharist and a valid priesthood and believe what we believe as Catholics about the real presence. And then we ultimately kind of concluded is um, we don't need to defend ourselves. <laughs> the ones who need to defend themselves is those who don't believe in the real presence. Because based on scripture, based on what the apostolic uh, and early church fathers and even up through Christianity, all the way up to the 1500s, if you watch the last video, I read a quote from Martin Luther himself who basically says, um, i just kind of give you the one line. He says, um, all of the fathers, as many as you can name, not one has ever spoken about the sacrament as simply bread and wine. And he goes on and he basically says, they all talk about Jesus is truly, really present. Another reason I'm doing these videos is I want you to fall in love with Jesus in the Eucharist. Look at him. He's a slave of love waiting for you. He wants to hear you say, I love you. He wants to visit with you. Will you please, I mean, I beg of you, please make time to go to the Adoration Chapel and say, Jesus, I love you. Stop with your children, your grandchildren. Go and visit Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament. Let the Lord give you the graces that he so longs to give you. It would be like having a cure for cancer and the person never coming to get it. How would you feel if you had the answers to somebody's problems, but they never came and got it because they didn't believe? or they didn't think it would help them. It would be very frustrating, wouldn't it? But this is how the Lord feels. Put yourself in Jesus' in his sandals right now and think about it. The Lord is waiting for you right now to make a greater commitment to him in the most blessed sacrament of the altar. So we're going to reflect a little bit on Eucharistic miracles. Just a little bit. Um, so through the centuries... Uh, God has performed miracles to confirm the real presence. 
of the Eucharist, of Jesus in the Eucharist. Okay, so like there's been many, many miracles. Okay, now in the Catholic Church, just so you're all aware, the church is not just like, oh, there was a miracle, put a stamp on it. No, there's a lot of investigation that has to happen. There's a lot of scientific proof or evidence that has to go through all of the rigor and all of the uh, 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 rigor and, and study to really, 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 really know that it was a miracle. It's not just like, oh, there's a miracle, boom. No, there has to be proof, proof, okay? So when I say there was Eucharistic miracles, these are not just like, you know, somebody made something up. The first occurrence um, uh, of, the, of a Eucharistic miracle that we're going to talk about, um, we're only going to look at two really right here. Um, one is Lanciano, Italy in the 8th century. Um, and the second is a 20th century woman. Listen to this. She lived... For 40 years of her life on the Eucharist. Nothing else. Just the only food she lived on was the Eucharist. For 40 years. Now ask any doctor if that's possible. So what went on there that would allow this woman to live 40 years with nothing but just the Eucharist? Okay, it's kind of hard to make that up. Especially when it's a 20th century woman. Okay. So from the beginning, Christians have reported astounding events that surround the Eucharist. You know, including, uh, there's, there's stories of the host levitating, bleeding, um, became hard as stone when a person uh, in mortal sin received the Lord in the Eucharist. A person who lived for years on the Eucharist alone, as I just shared. So we're going to look now um, at this first miracle of the Eucharist, Lanciano, Italy in the 8th century, which is 700 AD. There was a priest um, in a monastery in Lanciano. Um, he had serious doubts. He was doubting um, the real presence of Jesus. And in one morning at Mass, as he was finishing with the words of consecration, so when the priest says, this is my body given up for you, do this, this is my blood, that's the words of consecration. It says, the host suddenly turned into a circle of flesh and the wine became visible blood. Now, some of you might watch this as like, yeah, right, whatever. I mean, again, we talked in the last video about our human understanding and how people, we're, we're prone to think like, oh, like, like right now, look, I just see bread, therefore it's bread. And we talked in the last video about her, the early church. You know, Jesus didn't, like when John 666, right, when they all ran away because he was teaching about eat his flesh and drink his blood, and it was a hard teaching, and they all walked away. He didn't say, hey, guys, I just meant that symbolically or figuratively. Come back, come back, come back. No, he let him go. He didn't change his teaching, and it's proof because of, again, the apostolic fathers, which we talked about um, in another video as well. And so Jesus taught this to his apostles, and they passed it on. And then here we are today, as I shared, believing in this beautiful gift of the Eucharist. So he was doubting the presence of Jesus. Um, the astonished priest realized that God had dramatically answered his doubts. The people in the church were amazed and soon the whole town buzzed with the news of this miracle. The host and blood were put on permanent display. Okay? The host and the blood were put on permanent display in the church. So again, just like right here, 
you're looking at the same Jesus that literally turned to flesh and bled on the altar with this priest in Lanciano. It's not a different Jesus. It's the same Jesus here on this altar in 2022 that we're looking at him right now. So this miracle has been examined through the centuries without any tricks of fakery. So there's been many tests over this miracle. So Pope Paul VI um, encouraged a, a scientific investigation in 1971 by Italian doctors um, using equipment to investigate this more deeply through science. Um, they concluded that the flesh is real human flesh and the blood is real human blood. So they took a sample and they concluded that it's real flesh and blood. The flesh is from the human heart. Interesting, right? Look, Jesus gives us his sacred heart. When we come to adoration, you're actually adoring the heart of Jesus. He's here with us. Okay, so listen. The flesh is human heart. It says the flesh is from the human heart, expertly dissected. Okay? The type of blood is type AB. And it has all the normal proteins found in fresh human blood. That is amazing. So, this study is happening by scientists in 1971. The miracle happened in 700 AD. And they're finding that it has all normal proteins found in fresh human blood. Like if I cut myself right now, normal proteins. The same type of proteins were found in this sample they took from the, the miracle of the Eucharist. Even though the flesh and, blood have been, flesh and blood have been exposed to air for 1,200 years, they're biologically undamaged. I mean, I don't know what to say other than praise the Lord. Praise the Lord that we have our gift, the gift of gifts, Jesus in the Eucharist. So many people have lived on nothing but the Eucharist for very lengths of time. Uh, St. Catherine of Siena, uh, St. Joseph Cupertino, St. Rose of Lima are some of the better known saints who lived on the Holy Communion alone. They lived on Holy Communion alone for a, a, a significant period of their life, or, or I don't know all, but significant period. So there's a German laywoman named Therese New, Newman, N-E-U-M-A-N-N. Uh, from 1898 to 1962, she lived the last 36 years of her life without any food or water other than Holy Communion. Case closed. I mean, what do you say about that? Now, what's going on there? That's impossible. In 1922, at the age of 24, Teresa's body rejected any food but the Eucharist. At the direction of her spiritual advisor, she did have a sip of water to help her digest the host. By 1926, even the water proved unnecessary. So the last 36 of your years of her life, she lived literally on just Holy Communion. <laughs> Praise God. And then, and then, and then, I don't get on getting my soapbox here, but then we, com we, we, we complain about an hour at church. We complain about coming to Mass you know, um, we need to really examine our minds and our hearts. Um, if this is truly Jesus, which it is because that's what the church teaches and that's what Jesus taught and that's what we believe. If it's really Jesus, it's Jesus here with us right now. There he is. Jesus is here right now. Then 
we should be running to the church. We should be running to the Adoration Chapel. So the, the question I want to ask you there is, is why not? Either you don't believe or you don't believe it's going to help you. That's like me giving you um, an insider uh, advice on a stock and knowing 100% that stock's going to go up and you don't invest in it. And then the day of judgment comes and you're like, well, why didn't I... Why didn't I go, Lord? Why didn't I go? And he's like, you didn't believe. You didn't trust what I taught you through my church. You let the world dilute your life. You became too worldly. You became too invested in this short temporal life on earth. I don't want to hear those words when I die. I want to hear Jesus say, thank you for coming and visiting me frequently in the Blessed Sacrament. Thank you for visiting me. Um, in the Eucharist. Bring your kids, bring your young children, grandchildren, bring them before the Lord. The Lord can do mighty things. Come to a blaze. Um, we have a, a blaze where we bring um, young people and old families come and adore Jesus on the altar in the Eucharist at a blaze. Come and adore the Lord. Come and adore the Lord. Okay? So, receiving Holy Communion gave this woman uh, a surge of energy, it says, allowing her to engage in vigorous farm and housework. She required no sleep, often going to local church at night where she prayed, cleaned the sanctuary, and arranged the flowers. The host, the Eucharist, would sustain her for almost one full day. At the end of 24-hour period, she could feel her life ebbing. Receiving the Eucharist again restored her strength. Several times over the years, diocesan officials, doctors, and scientists thoroughly examined her life. They always concluded that only thing keeping her alive was Holy Communion. <laughs> so these miracles that I've just shared with you a little bit, these two miracles demonstrate the staggering reality of the real presence. They emphasize this immense spiritual nourishment available to us in Holy Communion. So Jesus allows things like this to happen because he wants us to believe and he wants us to know that he's truly there. That we do receive not just a wafer or a piece of bread. When the priest, a valid priest, consecrates the bread and wine, um, that becomes, it, it becomes the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus. And that's why behind me, as you can see, the tabernacle, um, you know, there's Jesus in the monstrance here on the altar, but we place him in the tabernacle, which is behind me, and we reserve the Eucharist for the sick and for people like yourselves to come and adore him. And, and you know, I was thinking about this. I just did a little reflection time with people um, in... Uh, St. Patrick Council Bluffs. We were talking about Eucharistic adoration. They have a beautiful adoration chapel there. And I was like, you know, you gotta, you got to take some time to let God break into your schedule. You know, I went through how much time we spend watching TV. It's like we spend 20 years watching TV. Um, I mean, I, there's 10 years and five months watching TV. So, like, why can we not spend... If you go to church once a week, do you know that you're only going to spend five and a half months of your life in church? 
And do you know that you spend, on average, Americans spend six months of their life at red lights and 18 months of their life at waiting in line? This is by the Census Bureau of the United States. My point is, is we spend more time at red lights and in line than we do in front of the Blessed Sacrament. Um, what's our excuse? What's our excuse? And so, Lord, please forgive us for not adoring you. Let's repent. Jesus, we ask forgiveness for the times we have not adored you, the times we have not visited you and made excuses, the times that we have made things and even people more important than you. And Lord, how foolish of us to think we could love our wives and husbands and children without letting you fill us with that love. Just as this woman lived 36 years on just the Eucharist, we need spiritual nourishment to live the gospel. Otherwise, there's a hook in our service. When we, when we serve with a hook, Lord, it's always about what can I get? Somebody, hey, look at me. Look what I did. Look what I did. And the Lord wants us to be free. So we serve and we give with no strings attached. So Jesus, we ask forgiveness. I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I've greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words and what I've done and what I've failed to do through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore, I ask Blessed Mary, ever-Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. And may Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us of our sins, and bring us into everlasting life. Amen. Jesus, we love you. Please, please increase our faith in the real presence. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.